0: Well, today concludes our series on the blessing, the life of Abraham. I hope it has been encouraging and uplifting to you. And as we uh, come to the conclusion, I was thinking about when I first moved to, to San Diego. It was our first full day in San Diego, and many of you have heard the story. We had sold... Almost everything we had. we had, we had sold our home, we were leaving family, we were leaving friends, we were leaving a thriving ministry, and we came to San Diego and we couldn't even find a rental house to stay in. And so we had to rent a hotel and I had seen this, this hotel advertised as being close to SeaWorld, so I stayed in it. And instead I end up in the center of Rosecrans Street looking over two strip clubs. And I, I'm just saying, what have we done? What on earth? We we had this word to come and launch this church in the city where we knew new, no one that there'd be this large multi-ethnic church, that it would actually be a church-planning church and start numerous churches. And now this first night, it was... An absolute depression. And, and so we wake up the next day and I'm like, okay, at least we could take our kids to SeaWorld and like have a, a few minutes of reprieve, some a few moments of joy. So you've probably had this experience where you're just trying not to think about reality and 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 just trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to engage with my children as we go around and look at the otters and look at the penguins. And then then we see, okay, the the the, the orca show, the killer whale show, is about to start. And so we go in kind of early, get seats right in the middle, and, and I'm sitting there just trying not to think about not having a home, not knowing anyone, not having a church, not having enough money. And the show starts. And it doesn't start like I would expect it to. It starts with the big screen and this boy. And he's like on the, the coast of... Maybe maybe it was maybe it was Washington state where he's he's looking out at the ocean and he sees an orca out in the ocean and his heart is drawn. And then it shows him a little older as a teenager and he gets in a kayak and paddles out and the orca comes up and splashes and breaches and by and he, he starts, the narration starts talking about, have you ever had a dream? And this, this young man's dream is to be with killer whales, to be with orcas, and then the next thing happens, like the screen goes black and this man walks out and he's like, and now I'm living my dream. And right then Shamu, swims out and goes and the whole crowd rah! and then he dives in the water and Shamu comes under him and launches him up and behind it this word says believe and i just start weeping here's a picture of it and and, and because the whole day i had been walking around seaworld going like lord what do I do? What do I do? Lord, Lord, what should I do? I don't have a home. What do I do? We don't have a church. What do I do? I don't know anybody. What do I do? And, and, and all of a sudden, Shamu is launching this guy, and he's living out his dream, and now everyone's cheering, and I'm crying. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Get it together, man. This is like a killer whale show. And in that moment, I realize, oh, this is more than a killer whale show. This is a God moment where he's speaking to me, where I've been crying out, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And God says, no, it's not what you do, son, believe. And I mean, hilarious, even the music to Shamu was like, all things are possible if you just believe. I'm like, yes, Shamu, I agree. God was speaking to my heart, Robert, believe. Um, Fast forward to, uh, to this week, we, we had a gathering at our home on uh, Monday evening with all our, our leaders, and um, we, were t- we were talking about what God's doing, and, and our, our living room was just packed. It was, I mean, I dreamed of having that many people just in a church someday. It was just full of leaders, and, and, but I kept having people come up to me and say, I love your home. It's, it just fits you guys. Your home is so you. This home, it's so awesome. And then we had some, some more people come over later on the week, and they were like, man, your home is just perfect for your family. A- and, and it really is. But here's the thing. When we were moving to San Diego, I never dreamed that I'd be able to own a home. I don't know if you know, homes are more expensive in San Diego uh, than they were. Are especially where I came from in central Texas, actually homes were eight times more expensive. Eight times. Um, that's an eight and an X. And, um, and so I, I didn't ever think, you know, God promises to, to, to meet your every need. And I, I knew we'd need, I, I, I had faith to rent a place um, which even that wasn't working out when we moved here. But I never dreamed that we could own a home until someone gave us this verse. I actually, I actually had this verse given to me from someone in a different state, Jeremiah twenty nine four. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I knew God was talking about us planting roots, but I went and, and, and showed that to my advisors, the people that oversaw me, and they said, we actually believe that God's calling you to own a house in San Diego. I'm like, wow, that would be crazy, and then we started, I started having dreams about owning a home, and I'm just thinking, that is impossible. I don't know if God's ever spoken to you about something that's impossible, because I'm like, we don't have money, and I started having dreams, and then I started having dreams of a home out in the country, and I'm thinking, man, I would love that, but we're planning a a church in the city. Like, certainly that wouldn't happen, and and I, I remember starting to have all these different people start giving us words about having a home. And, and there was an area that we would drive out to. And when we drove there, we'd actually feel like this is the peace of God is right here. And I remember telling Steph, if I could have a home in any place in this area, it would be in this, in this area right here. And then I'm, I'm looking at Susie right here. Susie actually sent me uh, on Redfin uh, a foreclosed home. And she goes, I think this home would be perfect for you guys. And and we went and and looked at it, and someone had given us a word about when you get a home, it will have all these arches in it. And we walked in, and it had all these arches. But this home was so much better than we would have ever dreamed. And, and so we were like, let's let's try to let's try to get this house. And then we go to try to get this house, and the house was foreclosed. It had been gutted. And it had a Liz Pennons, which is a cloud on the title. And so what we found out is people told us, hey, don't even try. It's impossible to get this house. Like there's a cloud on the title. It's in the court systems. It's been tied up for over a year in the court system. And we're like, man, but it just, it has that feeling, that God feeling. And, and so we were about to walk away from it because they just said it was impossible. And then this woman in Seattle, has this dream. She goes, I know I haven't talked to you in five years, but Robert, I had a dream. And in this dream, you were trying to get a house. And this house was surrounded by hills. And it was in the country. And I'm like, what in the world? She goes, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but maybe this is prophetic of something. And I'm like, yeah, this is prophetic of like, what God, like a house in the hill. And she goes, and when you got this house, and when you did, it gave you authority in the region. Because as you prospered, the city prospered. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And it took 18 months from that point. I'd sit in the back of courtrooms, uh, waiting and waiting. But at the end of it, we ended up with this. I remember my the, Ben helped me with the mortgage, and he was like, "This is the hardest mortgage I've ever done." When we got it done, he was he just like worshipped and was to say, "Only God, this is a miracle." You inherit the promises by believing. God has called us to be a believing people. And if there's one word that I want you to remember from the life of Abraham, it's not to go through these 22 chapters that we've looked at, or I guess it's less than that, but we've we've actually now gone through every chapter of Abraham, and today we're gonna be in the New Testament looking at him. But the goal is not to look back and go, man, Abraham, what a superhero. If there's one lesson we're to learn, it comes from this, this verse. This is the summary verse of Abraham's life. It says this, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Today I want to talk to you on the title, Blessing Comes from Believing. Blessing comes from believing. You're here today because you have a heart to be blessed by God. You have faith. I wanna tell you, some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm struggling to have faith. No, actually, this is a believing people or you wouldn't be wasting this hour and a half on a Sunday sitting in these chairs in this tent. Listen to what Romans 4 says this. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts. God, that's another word for believing, trust God, who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited as righteousness. Christians, we are to be known as believers. Believers in God. The work God is calling you to do above every other thing is to believe. I love what Jesus said. Jesus Jesus says this, it says, Jesus answered very truly, this is In John 6, 26 through 29, very truly you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I've performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He had just turned all these few fish and loaves into a feeding of a 5,000. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him this question. They asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? I want to tell you, all over America, all over the world, people are going, okay, what do I do? What can I do to be approved by God? i got to do something. And this is what Jesus says when he was asked that question. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Right? we got to add that because otherwise you're just going to start believing in Shamu. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. In in the 1400s, the late 1400s, early 1500s, there was this man named Johann Tetzel. And Johann Tetzel was actually a priest. And so he was in the church, and he was teaching this message. And this has been a message that people in churches have struggled with for years. He was... He was preaching this message, you gotta do something to earn your salvation. And so for Johann Tetzel, he came selling indulgences. And he said, if you want to be saved, if you don't wanna get stuck in purgatory, then you need to give a certain amount of money. And this was the phrase that he said, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. I wanna show you this picture of Johann Tetzel right here. Very happy man. And uh, you see, his hand is on a box. His hand was on, on this box, which was called a coffer. And what he went around saying is, hey, if you don't want to go to hell, then you just pay some money. And then he actually even, he, he played on people's emotions. He was saying, in fact, you can get your loved one. You can get your sweet mom, your sweet granny out of hell, out of purgatory, if you just get some money. So here, here's this picture showing what people are actually doing. They're crawling on their knees and putting money in, and then he was handing out these papers called indulgences saying, okay, well, your sins are absolved. Your sins are absolved. You'll go to heaven. You'll go to heaven. Oh, Uncle Joey's going to heaven. E- oh, Uncle Rudy. Oh, man, yeah, he was always in the bars. You need to pay a lot of money for him. Oh, he's free. And so there was this little monk who got really upset with this because this, this monk had this experience with God. This monk, he, he had tried to be all in with the Lord. I mean, he had, he had dedicated himself to God as a monk for crying out loud, but he always felt like he couldn't do enough to justify himself with God until he saw These scriptures in the book of Romans, these scriptures that were all uh, uh, about being justified, but not by works, justified by believing. Justified by believing that Jesus did the work. His name was Martin Luther. So at the time Johann Tetzel was doing that, Martin Luther, all of a sudden he has this experience. Let me read to you the quote. It says this, he said, my situation was that Although an impeccable monk, so he wasn't just a monk, he was an impeccable monk. I stood before God as a sinner, troubled in conscience. so he was like, even as a monk, like i set my whole life up to, to honor God, and I was troubled as a sinner in conscience, and had no confidence that my merit, my works, would assage me, that, that, that assage him, that they would be enough for God. Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of the God and the statement, the just shall live by faith. That's from Romans 1.17. It says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He said this, then I grasped the justice of God is the righteousness by which Through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us through faith. Thereupon, I felt myself to be reborn and have gone through the door, open doors into paradise. The whole of scripture took on a new meaning. This passage of Paul became to me a gate to heaven. Here is my objective as I share this with you, that for once and for all, that you would put the nail in the coffin of this lie and put it to death, that you could save yourself. I, it, I can't tell you how many Christians I've met that say, I think I'm saved. I, I think I'm going to, I think, or I, I can't tell you how many times I'll ask people how to pray for them and, and, and I'll ask them, so, hey, are, are, are you going to heaven? And they'll go, I think so. My good deeds, I think my good deeds outweigh my, I, I don't do many bad things. I want to tell you, that's just a lie. You could never do enough. You can never, there is not a person in this tent, not even your sweet granny, who always baked you cookies. She always smiles. She always, she, she is not good enough. There is no one, no, not one. The scripture says even our righteous acts are like filthy rags compared to the Lord. But the Bible says this, you're, by, you're saved by grace through faith alone. And so it's by believing that you're saved, and that's, that's when, when when Martin Luther nailed that 95 theses on the door, he was saying, "No more. No more church can we teach that people can earn their salvation? No more. Can we teach it through works or it's by money. It's by grace and grace alone. The Bible says this: Just believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved." For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's believing. And that's it. You believe. You believe with your heart and then you confess that with your mouth. And the Bible says you're going to be saved. So those, this is what Galatians 3 says, and that's the the message from Abraham. Abraham. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So that's point number one. Believing is how we have salvation because today I want to talk to you about three main blessings that we receive. And we receive them through believing. The way that you are born again. The way that you're born spiritually is by believing. The way you will enter into heaven. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. The only way you enter into heaven is putting your faith in what Jesus did for you. It's what Jesus did for you. You can rest in the finished work of the cross and the resurrection. Be at rest. You put your faith in him. It's not what you do You will spend eternity with him in heaven, and you will never be alone here on earth because he has entered into your heart. Number two, though, number two, it's believing that we come to understand our true identity. It's by believing that we understand our true identity because some people think that Christianity is just about going to heaven when you die. But no, he has an abundant life for you here on earth. But this is what I find is that we spend our lives, humans, we spend our life trying to make ourselves into something. We spend our whole life trying to feel good about ourselves. And here's the problem. Most of us, actually all of us, They're they're, they're things that we don't like about ourselves. We look in the mirror and we say, man, how'd I get that nose? Man, I wish I had a different nose, right? Or my eyebrows, man, my chin. I remember there was a time in my life, I used to watch old movies. Cary Grant had this, <clears throat> the, the danger of meeting outside is I think a bug just flew in my mouth. Not many preachers get that experience. But I believe God's going to reward me. <clears throat> Suffering for the gospel. Cary Grant had this like little cleft in his chin. So I would stand in front of the mirror, folding my chin in half, trying to get my chin, trying to get my chin to stay with this little cleft. You ever done something that dumb before? Anybody? Anyone willing to admit? Thank you. Someone said no. <laughs> uh, I mean, we just, there, we, we just want to, right? We, we look at, man, someone says, man, why is my skin so light? I'm so, I'm so pale. Why is my skin so dark? I wish I could say, why am I so short? Why am I too tall? Right? I mean, there's, there's it's never, right. Why am I so wide? Why am I so skinny? Right? And then why? Oh, I'm just not smart enough. Oh, I'm too smart. I'm such a nerd. Why? <clears throat> you'll never do enough. You'll never look good enough. How many supermodels struggle with anorexia and bulimia? How many of the most popular people are the most insecure people you'll ever meet? How many of the richest people are actually the most concerned about money? Why? Because you can never do enough to find peace in yourself. Because you'll only find it in the Lord, Romans 4.4. 4. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, Their faith is credited as righteousness. Their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness. Who doesn't want to be blessed? That's what this whole series is on, is being blessed. And David says this, the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. So many of us, we're just working. We're working so hard. We're striving. We're trying to be blessed. We're trying to do our hair. We're trying to do our makeup. We're trying to dress a certain way. We're trying to look a certain way. Why? I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. And David says, no, it's not through that. It's by believing. Blessed is the one who sinned, the Lord will never count against him. Is the blessedness only for the circumcised, so doing something spiritually, or also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness, under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, it was before. They're saying, Abraham, before he ever even did a religious deal, he was righteous just because he believed. All right, I got a lot going on up here. got bugs, cough drops. It's like... um. You know, we're, we're, like, we're like kids that, that want to be adopted. So we're like, I'm going to make straight A's and, and I'm going to get myself looking perfect and, and I'm going to get all dressed up nicely and, and then I'm going to go out and win the game. But do you know that a kid can never do enough to get adopted? Adoption is the decision of a father. It's the decision of, of a parent who says, I want a child. And so I actually go, and I do all the work, and I pay the the adoption fees, and then you get to take on my name, not because you're so perfect, kid. There are some great kids, some beautiful kids. I've been around the world and seen the most beautiful, stunningly talented kids who've spent their whole life in an orphanage, and they couldn't have done more. They couldn't have been more amazing. But you can't get yourself adopted. It's the decision of a father. But you Brother and sister, you were adopted because God made the decision to choose you. I was um, having lunch this week with Jeff Ballantyne. And uh, Jeff's, Jeff's a, a man in his mid-60s in our church. And, and he, he was talking and he said something so profound. He goes, you know, my role is really, really small. Like my, my role in life is very, very small. He goes, but I feel so loved by God. He goes, I just feel, I feel his affection. I am so dear to the Lord. And you're just watching this guy, and I'm like, I can tell. Like, I can tell you feel that way, Jeff. And he said, you know, it was, it was through, he goes, I was listening to this, this John Piper sermon on the sovereignty of God and being chosen. And he goes, I don't know what happened, but something just went clunk in my spirit. And it just changed me forever you know why because faith comes from hearing the word of god he he heard who he was he heard that he was chosen he heard that god chose him and something just shifted in him and i'm watching him and i'm like man i can see it in you and he goes you know what he goes and i just expect god's favor not because anything i do I just, I'm his child, he is crazy about me, so I expect his favor. And then he went on to tell me all these stories of favor. And I'm like, that is what I want, Jeff, for every person in our church. For every person hearing me, can I just tell you that you are loved because God adopted you, and you are his child because what he did for you? Listen to what scripture says. It says this, but you are a chosen people. You know, the only reason you're sitting here today is because you're chosen. It's because God drew you. I don't, have you ever just sat and thought, like, out of all the people in the world, go, why did you choose me? It, you're, you're like Abraham. If you notice the story of Abraham, it said nothing about what Abraham was like before he was chosen. It didn't say, like, Abraham could bench 300 pounds, and so God called him Abraham. It says nothing about his bench press. Okay. It says nothing about his, you know, his hairstyle. And Abraham had the thickest Jewish hair. It, it doesn't say, it, it, and Abraham, you know, and Abraham had the most camels of anyone in earth. It doesn't talk about how many camels it had. It says nothing. There was nothing about Abraham's appearance or, or his bank account or his, his giftings. He was chosen purely by by the love, the unmerited love of God, and so are you. So listen to what scripture says about you. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Might I propose to you a new way of starting each day. Instead of starting each day by getting out of bed and feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm already behind. Oh my goodness, I have so much to accomplish today. Oh my goodness, I I feel like I have to do this and that to feel good about myself. And then you go look in the mirror and you're like, oh my goodness, right? And then you catch a whiff of your breath and you're like, oh my goodness, I am, you know, you're not thinking lovable at that moment, right? What if you woke up thinking this thought but I'm a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful, I'm living in his wonderful light. (laughs) Let me tell you what I do every day. Every day, I'll go and start praying and I start with our father and then I remind myself of how much the father loves me and I actually tell him, daddy, today, I need to know Your love. Can I tell you, you are made for love and you need to daily experience God's love. So every day I'm like, God, I need to feel your love. And so I ask, Can I feel your love today? I actually want to feel that love. And then I'm like, God, I need a revelation. Can you put in my mind a revelation of your love? And then I say, God, can you speak to me your love? I've got to live out of that life, not because of what I do. Not because of the grades I'm going to make, the money I'm going to make, the the how good I'm going to look, how beautiful I can get my hair that day. Not because of all the things in me, but just because of how he sees me. And then I do this. I speak out. Man, it's like the Holy Spirit is just blowing through here right now. I, I, I do this. I, I actually say who I am in Christ. I want you to say this with me. I don't know if you can see this. This This screen, but I've been doing this a lot, and hopefully I'm going to do this until you actually start picking this up, because the Scripture says that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So every day I speak it out so I hear the Word of God. These are just, I, I have whole sheets of this, and this is what I do as I read the Bible. I find things that it says about me, and then I write them down, and then I speak them out. And as I speak them out, I actually feel faith rising in my heart. And I feel my mind changing. Can you just say this with me? This is who you are. If you've been wondering what your identity is, it's this. Let's say it together. I am justified. I am righteous. Okay, just stop there. Because some of you woke up today feeling icky, feeling sinful, feeling like a mess up. But the Bible says when God looks at you, he sees you as righteous. I mean, some of you think God's, God's just looking at you going, like, bummer. Like, you, you, you see yourself, you remember uh, Charlie Brown? You, see, you don't even see yourself as Charlie Brown. Like, Charlie Brown kind of had e- uh, ego, self-esteem problems. But at least he wasn't pig pen. That just, like, dirt was, up. but you see yourself as pig pen. You're like, everywhere I go, it's just, like, dirt flying around. And, that's not, and God's saying, no, I don't see you as pig pen. Right? I am righteous. Let's read this. I am blessed. Some of you, you feel cursed in life, but can I just tell you, you're not. You're blessed and you need to start speaking it over yourself because actually the scripture talks about as you believe, you receive. So the more you start speaking out that I'm blessed, the more actually the blessings follow you. It's a spiritual principle. How about this? I am am forgiven. Say it again. I am forgiven. Some of you, like me, have done horrible things. And so you live reminding yourself there's like a a repeating YouTube channel of your mistakes playing over and over and over again. And so you combat that YouTube channel with this phrase, I am forgiven. How about this? I am covered. Now, let's go to what First Peter said. Let's read these. I am chosen. Now, some of you, you were the last to be picked on the playground. But can I tell you that God is changing that? And he's saying, out of all the people in the world, I have chosen you. You show up. You're the first one I grab. You are chosen. How about this? I am. Oh, oh, oh. There are some people that are not saying this with me. Don't make me come out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ready? I am a royal <laughs> priest. I scared you into your identity. <laughs> that was awesome. People all love reading about, you know, the, the pr- Prince Harry and, 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 and all this. And look at this little royal. What would it feel like to be royal? Can I tell you that you're more royal than the royal family? They have just human flesh and blood and, a, you know, a few million dollars. No, you have the king of kings. Have you ever gotten a hold of this, how royal you are, that you are a prince or a princess? This will radically change your life. Some of you, you don't have it, and the reason why is you don't hear it. And the reason you don't hear it is you don't say it. Can we say that again? I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. You you think, man, I'm just so sinful. I'm so dirty. I'm so unworthy. And the Bible says, no, you're holy. Guys, I, I say this verse probably every day over myself. And you know what happens as I say it? The more I say it, the more I believe it. You know, the more I believe it, the more I feel it. Some of you are walking around always feeling down. You know why you feel down? Because you're believing lies. Do you know that your feelings will follow what you believe? Can I just say that again? You know that your feelings will follow what you believe? You want to change your feelings and change your beliefs. And you're like, oh, that's so good. That's name it, claim it, blab it and grab it. No, it's the Bible. He said sweetly, I am God's special possession. Some of you don't feel special. You've never felt special. We look at celebrities and think they're special. No, the Bible says that pales in comparison to you. You are God's special possession. Last one, I am chosen to praise him. You've been chosen to praise him. These declarations, they will change your life. I dare you to try it on your own. Lastly, believing is how we inherit the promises. God gave us these promises when we were starting All People's Church. God told us it would be a great people. He told us that there'd be people from many different nations. God told us that it would be rich and poor coming together. God told us that he'd send our descendants around the whole world. And we came and there was nothing. We did not know one person in the city of San Diego. So what do you do? Man, you can try, you can work hard, you can, you can labor. But how does scripture say we inherit the promises? Look at this, Romans four thirteen through 18. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. What does that mean? The law told us we have to do this and that and this and that and don't do this and do this. And the scripture's saying it's actually not through that. It's not through that that he inherited the promises, but through the righteousness that comes by faith, by believing. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law actually brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham." Are you catching that? The reason we've been studying the life of Abraham is not just to have a good study on an Old Testament character, but because you inherit his promises. He's the father of us all. As it's written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Let me just read that again. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said, so shall your offspring be. I can't tell you how many times God has called us to believe for things that were not can't tell you how many times God has called us to believe for things that were impossible. It is absolutely impossible that we own that land on the 8 freeway. We were told that there that not a place like that didn't exist. Then we had no money. And in a moment, and it wasn't through our hard work. Man, we worked, we drove every street, we looked and it was finally when we said, "Okay, we, we can't, we, we actually let go of our realtor because we're like, we can't do it in our own strength. And then boom, God gives us the land. Boom, God gives us the money. Over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I have tried to make things happen. But it's not through your works. It's not through your striving. Now, am I saying we don't do works? No, I, I, I'm not saying that. But, but so many of us, we have it all confused. We do works trying to to trying to be saved. It's like my kids getting up, waking up in my house and going, I'm going to go out in the yard, and if I just do enough work, then I'll actually become a Herber. That would be so sad. I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm just trying to become a Herber. I'm like, you, you, you were born. When you were born, you were born a Herber. You can't un- become a Herber. They're like, no, Dad, if I just dig it up, if I just mow enough, I'll become a Herber. Right? Or or what about this? Then they finally get it. They finally get, okay, I'm a Herbert because I was born to you and mom. I finally get it. And then the next day they're just out working in the lawn. I'm like, can you come in and hang out with me? They're like, no. This never happened, by the way. But (laughs) (laughs) they're like, no, I won't come in. I'm like, why? It's because I'm trying to gain my identity. I want to be lawn boy. Dad, I want you to see me as lawn boy. I'm like, that's actually not what you're created for. Like, you're created to be my son. You're created to, like, partner with me. No, I will stay out here and be lawn boy. And you're like, please, just know you're, you are already my son. You are already a herber. Now walk in your idea. No, I will be lawn boy. And then they finally get their idea. Okay, I'm not lawn boy. I am Joshua Herber. Okay, I've been named. I, I am loved by my, my dad, even apart from my works. Like, I, I don't earn his love by my works. I, I, I'm only working to bless him. I'm only working because he's given me responsibility. And then he won't come in again, and he's just working. I'm like, hey, son, hey, it's time to vo- go on vacation. He goes, no, I have not earned my vacation right? No, I will work until I, I, and I'm like, no, son, we're leaving. He's like, I will not go with you, dad, because I must do enough lawn work to earn, to merit my vacation, right? And he's like, no, can, can we just go, like, I want to go on an adventure with you, son. He's like, nope, I must cut more lawns. I, I must earn, I'm like, no, you can't, I mean, son, you can't earn this vacation. You can't, no, dad, I will do it. No, son, you can't even drive. Like, you got to come with me and my, I'm the only one who could take you there, Nope. I will. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, but that is how we are. I'm going to work to earn being a Herber. I'm going to work now to become an identity of lawn boy. I am going to, to work to inherit the promises. What should we do instead? We should do this. I don't know if you can read this. This is all people's movement prophetic words. God has been so gracious to us as a family and our family of churches, our, our 13 churches. He's, he's given us these words. He sent these prophetic people. This is what God does. He sends people along the path who will give words. Or he'll, you'll be reading and you'll come across a verse and that verse will stick out to you. And when it does, write it down and treasure it. And so I, I compile the words. So I have this word from a prophetic minister named Joe Ewan, it says this, that your descendants will be like Rebecca's. A mother may become a mother of thousands and of ten thousands, and your descendants will possess the gates of the enemy. And he says, I have you in a tent because you're supposed to be a tented people carrying my presence. And it says this, what is to come is far bigger than you know. And so what do I do? I write these down, and I speak them out, and I say, God, the work you call me to is to believe. I've got like five amens. Because some of you are like, no, 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 we have to, it's all about doing, it's all about working more. And God's saying, No, will you believe? See, this is this is what scripture says. It says this, the Lord, Psalm 138, someone needs to to write this down. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. We got one believer. (laughs) Can I get two? The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The crazy thing about God, I was trying to tell you this last week, God gives a word and then God says, you just hang on and I fulfill the word. He goes, I give the word and the word I give actually has power and then if you'll just hold on and not run away, not hit the ejection seat, not punt, not go do something else, then I actually fulfill the word. Listen, let me give you a couple more verses. I cry out to God, Mosiah, this is Psalm 57, 2, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Your job, just cry out. Your job, just Believe. This is what Isaiah 55, says. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Here's another one. Cindy Jacobs. And the Lord would say there's the beginning of a church planting movement, a saturation church planting movement. She says, there are these presbyteries that are coming together and are going to send out people all over the world. She says, I get the nation in Rwanda. I get northern Africa, countries that have previously been conquered by Spain, Into northern Spain. I see the Lord is going to send you the spirit. the city of Seville. I see you going into France. The Lord says, France, France, France. Guess what? She spoke this before we even had a France team. Now we have a big France team, and we have 23 interns going to France this summer. I love what she said in 2018. And the Lord says, I know how expensive things are. (laughs) But I will give you the building. I will give you the training center. And the Lord says, I'm going to do things that are so extraordinary that even people hearing about it will be astonished. The Lord says, watch and see what I will do. I, I need these on my low days, right? I need these. There's a guy, some of you heard of him. His name was Chris And God sent him here. And he said, I saw you getting a new truck, and you were expecting a one-ton four-wheel truck. And a 16-wheeler pulled up. And you said, is that our new truck? And you said, no, what I thought, it's not, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I feel like the Lord wants you to get your expectations to be bigger than you thought. And he started talking about, he didn't know we were a series on Abraham. And he said, you're like Abraham, who goes out and looks down at the sand. And, and God's saying, as many as the sand is in the shore, that's how many your descendants will be. And look up at the sky, that's how many descendants you will have. These are what God is saying. And I'm like, gosh, that is hard to believe. And then he knew, I think God knew that. And he, so he said, uh, this is obnoxiously too big. And I feel like the plan the Lord has for you is obnoxiously too big. I, I could go on and on. W- w- what is our call? Our call is, not, I, I've, believe me, I've tried to make these things happen. And when I do, nothing happens. But God's saying, believe. The work I've called you to is to believe. And that's why I started. Some of you are like, well, of course, that's for a church and a church planning movement, but what about my little life? No, that's why I started by talking about a house because all I, I, I just wanted a little house to rent. And God said, no, I have something so much better for you. I, I, I want to give you this house, but I had to, I had to wait and believe because it seemed impossible. Some of you, God's promised a spouse, and you're like, where the heck are they? And God's saying, wait, don't settle. Don't go, don't do something else. Don't try to make it happen. You wait and believe. Some of you, you're waiting for your child to come back to the Lord. And you're, you're going, what in the world? And God's saying, no, just believe. Some of you are waiting to get out of debt. And God's giving you a word. If he's giving you a word, you're going to get out of debt. But wait and believe. This is what Hebrews 6 Says, I love this. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, and so you're like, oh, oh, so then I gotta work harder, I gotta do more, I gotta beat my chest it." This is what it says. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience. You're like, wait, don't be lazy. Wait, faith and patience? Like, that's how you don't become lazy. He's like, don't become lazy. What do I do? Just sit there. That doesn't make any sense. I know. But just believe. I think we're done. Why don't you stand up?